I thank the Lord for his healing power. Last year, this time, uh, I had some real difficulties medically, physically. But as you know, for four or five months, I had some real difficult times. But God has taken care of most of them. Still got aches and pains here and there. But most of them in an amazing way. I really thought, uh, this is true, I really thought last year that was it for me. I thought I had finished my ministry. I couldn't be active or anything anymore because all kinds of things were going. You, you weren't quite aware of it because I was away at the time, but some real difficult times. So I thank the Lord for that. I also thank the Lord for the way in which he has been revealing new truths to me from the word or causing me to understand a little deeper the word that I've cherished so much. It's been a wonderful year in the word of God. And I just thank God for that. I thank God for how he's working in Nancy's life as well. She's a miracle as well. We have a lot of miracles in this church. And I hope maybe sometimes we should focus on it just to encourage our people. God has done so many great things. And it's good for us to know about it. A lot of things we don't know about. Many of you are involved in activities and ministries, touching lives, changing lives that we're not, we don't know about, but God knows about it. And we thank God for that. Amen? And we praise him. Let's have a word of prayer before we open the word. Right again, once more, just thank God for being the good God that he is. Thank him for the wonderful things that he's done for you in the past. Thank him now for the prospect of another year in which he can work in and through you for his glory. Praise him for that and ask him to open up your life, your, your mind, your heart, uh, so that he might be able to use you in any way he sees fit for his glory. And I'll just pray that the word might find good soil in our hearts this evening. And now, Father, I thank you for your promise that your word will not return void, but you will accomplish the purpose for sending it forth tonight. And all of God's people said, Amen. Now, I'm sure that all of us who are in any way familiar with the Bible, we are familiar with uh, the word when it says that man's heart will fail them because of fear in these days in which we live. That is certainly true today. And I mean literally. At, the t- at this same time now, we are experiencing some of the most globally devastating natural disasters we have ever faced. Hurricanes, cyclones, floods, mudslides, fires, wars, rumors of wars, high energy costs, and right in the midst of all of that, an economic collapse, financial disaster all around us causing millions to lose their jobs, their homes, their savings, and some, their very lives. People are committing suicide. People are having heart attacks. It's literally true. People's, uh, the man's heart are failing because of fear of what has come upon the world. 2008 has been quite a disastrous year, to say the least. And as a result, for many, the new year is filled with doubt and apprehension uncertainties uncertainties and fear. Many people just don't know what to expect anymore, especially business people, investors. Many are afraid to actually let go of the old year because they don't know what the new 
year holds. They think it's going to be worse. And the question is asked, how can it get worse? But I have good news for you. The Bible always gives us good news, doesn't it? Regardless of the present situation, I want to show you that God has made it possible for you to enter the new year without fear. So let not your heart be troubled. You can have a new year, my friends, without fear. I want you to take your Bibles. Our text is found in Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 6 for context, but our major focus is is on verses 5 and 6. Now, as we turn to that passage, let me just tell you about a little story I read about as an illustration. It's about some sailors who were in the sea and they're in the storm, in the open waters in an old boat. And they were all fearful for their lives. And they didn't know whether they were going to sink or not. And so some of the people who were on the boat went to the captain and said, Captain, are we safe? The captain looked at him and laughed and he says, Well, let me put it this way. The boiler on our ship is very weak and may explode at any moment. He says, Not only that, this boat is very old and she's taken on water. She could sink any moment. And so he said, to be honest with you, we may have an explosion or we may sink. But then he said, now, I want you to understand this, though. We may go up or we may go down. But at any rate, we're going on. <laughs> I like that. We may go up, we may go down. But at any rate, we're going on. That's the kind of attitude we need to face 2000 and the new year, especially as believers. If Jesus comes, and of course he may, we will go up, right? But if we die, then we'll go down. But before we go up, no matter what, we're going on. Until we go up or down, we got to go on. Right or wrong? So let's be sure we go on with the right attitude. We're going on. We're facing a hard time right now. We're facing a brand new year. And we do not know what it's going to bring. But we're going on nonetheless. My promise to you, based on the word of God this evening, and the promises of God, is that you can go into the new year without fear. And I want to keep repeating that and emphasizing that. We can go into the new year regardless of what has happened in 2008, regardless of what's happening right now. We can go into the new year without fear. It's found in this passage. Let me read it. It's on the screen. I'll read from verse 1. Love, let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them, and those who are ill-treated, since you yourselves also are in the body. Marriage is to be held in honor among all, and the marriage bed is to be undefiled, for fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Now here is the text for this evening. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. For he himself has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. 
so that we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What will man do to me? That's powerful words. Fantastic promises here. Now, I remembered some time ago when I was studying history and studying the exploits of early explorers, especially the, the, those guys who uh, go all over the world on ships and so on. This is, this is before they had the modern instruments we have today, of course. And uh, they drew maps, of course, but the maps were based on the distances that the men have traveled, how far they had gone out. And what they used to do in those days is, after they had drawn the map based on where they had gone, because they were fearful of what is beyond, they drew dragons. Dragons out there. Dragons beyond. We, we have not gone before, you see. There is uncharted territory. They were afraid of the unknown. Beyond this, there'd be dragons. There's a map I have up of, of Iceland. You can see, they never saw dragons. They never really saw dragons, but they thought they were there. And they came up in their own imaginations with what was out there. They didn't know that beyond where they reached, there were white sandy beaches like the Bahamas. You see? They thought there were dragons out there. They were afraid, not knowing that there's a place like the Bahamas just beyond their reach. As far as they were concerned, it was uncharted and unknown, and therefore it was fearful. And that's the way many of us feel about the future right now. We're fearful. We don't know what out there. There are dragons out there waiting for us. Many are facing the new year in this way. Will I have a job? Will I have my house? Will I have my family? There are dragons out there. Some of you right here tonight are fearful of the future, of what the new year may or may not hold for you. But I want to say again, do not fear. God has something beautiful for you. There's a beautiful beach out there somewhere for you, not a dragon. All right? Let's look into God's word then to see if I can substantiate this. I want to show you how God wants us to enter the new year with the attitude and assurance that he describes for us in this passage. For instance, look at verse 6. He says, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. See, if we enter the new year like that, that's a new year without fear. I will not fear what man will do to me. That's our theme. God tells us here that there are four specific things that we can do that will help us to face the new year without fear. First, he says, we must be content with God's provision. Notice what he says. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. Being content with what you have. Discontentment is a disease. It eats away at a person when they are discontented about this situation. It takes away our joy. It takes away our peace. Contentment, on the other hand, is quite different. Contentment is not getting what you want, but rather it is learning to want what you already have. Contentment will make a poor man rich, while discontentment will make a rich man poor. 
As one poor man said to a rich man, I'm richer than you are. The rich man said, what's that? He said, I'm richer than you are because I have everything I want. You don't. You still want what you don't have. You see, no matter how much you have, even as a rich person, you could still be discontented. And if you're discontented, no matter how rich you are, you're still poor. Sometimes we want things we don't need. Sometimes we need things we don't want. And we get all mixed up. Contentment, though, I say again, is not getting what you want. But rather, it's learning to want what you already have. Did you hear about the two tears that met along the river of life? Said one tear to the other tear. Where did you come from? The other tear says... I am the tear of a girl who loved a man and lost him. And where did you come from, she said. I am the tear who found him and married him. <laughs> Paul gives us some advice about this and warning in 1 Timothy chapter 6. This is what he says. Godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these we shall be content but those who want to get rich fall in temptation and a snare and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs another powerful passage of scripture let me tell you something my friends if you know the lord and you're content with him you're the richest person on earth. Did you hear that? If you know the Lord and you're content with him, you're the richest person on earth. God says that's great gain. That's a huge profit. To be content with Christ is to be rich, I say, beyond comparison. Paul tells us why. He says, For he brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that we carry nothing out. But having food and raiment, let us be content with these things. If you've got something on your back and something to eat and you have Jesus Christ in your heart, then, my friend, you're blessed. You should be content. He doesn't even mention a house. Just food and clothing. Food, clothing, and Jesus Christ. You should be content. Think about it for a moment. Those of you, especially Christians, who are moaning and groaning and complaining because you can't buy all the gifts that you wanted for Christmas or New Year's or because you didn't get the raise you wanted or because you couldn't do whatever it is. Think about all those who have lost their homes, their livelihood in the floods and the fires. Those who have lost their pensions because of the economic situation. Think of those children who cannot find their parents even today because of hurricanes and cyclones and everything else. Think about those and then think about yourself and see whether or not you have a right to be discontented. Look at verses 1 and 3 of this chapter. Hebrews, he says, Let love of the brethren continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to the strangers. For by this some have entertained angels without knowing it. Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them. And those who are ill-treated since you yourselves also are in the body. What Paul is talking about here is people who show care and compassion and love for others by sacrificially giving of their time and possession. And that's one of the things I feel so good about our people. I see more of that happening. More of our people are giving sacrificially 
reaching out to help the poor. That's a wonderful thing to see. The writer says here, make sure that your character is free from the love of money, being content with what you have. What does it mean then to be content? Always content, regardless of the situation. What does it mean to be content? Well, remember what Psalm 37 says, verse 4. It says this, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Isn't that a wonderful passage? Now, some read that and say, Delight in the Lord, and I can get what I want. That's not really what it's saying. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desire of your heart. It really means here, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart means that when you find all in Jesus Christ, when you are content with him and him alone, then you are delighting yourself in him because you have found the desire of your heart. In other words, you found Jesus Christ. He is the desire of your heart. He, God, is the desire of your heart. That's what he's talking about here. That's what this verse means. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. You delight yourself in the Lord, that's the desire of your heart. He is the desire. He should be the desires of your heart. Jesus Christ. Delight yourself in the Lord and you will have the desire of your heart because you will have him who should be the desire of all hearts. What your heart really yearns for, you may not know it, is God. Folk all around us are trying to find what the heart yearns for, and only Jesus Christ, only Jesus Christ can really quench that desire. The deepest need of our hearts can be met in Christ and in Christ alone. Remember that. So if you have Christ, you should be content. Have the contentment of his great provision, Christ himself. And you can face the new year without fear. Look at it again. Make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. Do you have Christ? Then be content with him. But secondly, you need to be confident of his promise. It says, make sure that your character is free from the love of money. Being content with what you have. For he himself has said. Did you notice that? I love this passage here. He himself has said. That's the basis for our confidence. He himself has said, and that's what it says in the Greek. The emphasis on who is making the statement. He himself has said. Remember this, a promise is no better than the one who makes it. And so in the original language, this literally says, he himself, God himself. The emphasis on the one who makes this statement or the promise. Now who is it who is making this promise? Who is it who says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee? It's the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent God. That's the basis for confidence in his promise. Because this God, this all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present God is the one who says, I made the promise. And so when I say, God, I just don't have the strength for the next year. He himself, the omnipotent God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And so when I say, God, I just, I just don't have the strength. I just don't have the strength. He says, I'm with you. Or when, he, when, I, when, I, when I say that I am just afraid to face the new year, he himself, the omnipresent one says, I will never leave thee nor forsake me. 
When I say I don't know what to do, he himself, the omniscient God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I am with you. And when I say, God, I don't know. I just don't know. I don't know this. I don't know that. I don't. God is saying, I want you to remember this. I don't care what your circumstances are. I am with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. And my friends, listen. You can take that into the bank of the new year without fear. You can be confident in the promise of this God. But thirdly, not only can we enter the new year without fear by being content with his provisions and confident in his promise, we can also do so by enjoying the companionship of his presence. Notice what it says in the latter part of verse 5. I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. Now, I don't know what I'm going to face next year. You don't either. None of us do, really. But there's one thing I know. I know he's never going to leave me. Did you get that? I don't know what I'm going to face, but I know he's never going to leave me. With that, I can be content. The new year gives us the fantastic privilege and opportunity of learning to practice the awareness of the presence of God for another 365 days, barring the rapture, of course, and then we'd be with him forever. But for 365 days in the new year that is to come, we can anticipate experiencing the power of the presence of God in our lives. We can be content with that. Now, Greek scholars tell us in this sentence, I will never leave you nor forsake you, actually has four negatives in it. Now, we say a double negative is bad English. But that's not so in Greek. Here's what the text literally says. I will never, no, not ever, no, never leave you, nor forsake you. Let, let me give it to you once again. I will never, number one, no, ever, number two, no, never leave you, number three, nor forsake you, four, four times. Some say five. I try to get five, but all I can get is four. I will never, no, 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 I will never, I will never, I will never leave you. You can go to the bank 2009 with that. He will never leave you. Never, never. Now perhaps you're a wife whose husband has walked out on you, or children whose fathers have forsaken you. Or perhaps I'm talking to some men whose wives have left them. Others you feel abandoned and forsaken by whoever or whatever. I can show you of one thing, my friends. Jesus will never abandon you. He will never leave you. What does that mean to you, to me then, as we face a new year? It means that we know that we'll see that year through because he's there for us to see it through with us. Have no fear. Jesus is here. Have no fear. Jesus will be there. You don't have to fear. Do you know what Dr. Adrian Rogers says worry is? Fear for the Christian? You remember Adrian Rogers, I'm sure. He's home with the Lord now, I think. Yes, he is. He's, this is what he says worry is. He says, worry is a mild form of atheism. Why? Because it's acting like God doesn't exist. Isn't that powerful? If you have Jesus and are contented with his provision, confident in his promises, and enjoying the communion of his presence, you don't have to enter the new year worrying about what will happen. You can enter the new year without fear because Jesus is there. 
But you can also enter the new year without fear by knowing the comfort of his protection. It says, so that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid what man will do to me. I love that. When you have his contentment, when you have his companionship, when you have his confidence, then you also have his comfort and his courage. Look at verse 6. So that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. We may boldly say. Now when you put it together with verse 5, he has said that we may boldly say what? The Lord is my helper. We can boldly say that. We can say it with confidence. Not arrogance, but confidence. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. What he has promised gives us boldness. It gives us comfort. It gives us confidence in his protections. I ask you, what more can we ask for as we enter a new year? God gives us his specific directions as to how we can face a new year without fear. So I ask you again, will you find your contentment in Jesus Christ? Will you find your companion in him? Will you really, 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 really be a companion of Jesus Christ in the new year? Will you find your confidence in Christ? If you do, you can be sure that you will find courage in Christ, comfort in Christ, companion in Christ. And so you can say, the Lord is my helper. And you can say it boldly. You can say it with confidence, with assurance. I will not be afraid. What will happen to me? Notice the sequence. He himself said, so that we might say. He said it, so we could say it. You get that? He said it, and because of him who said it, then we can say it with confidence. I will never, ever, no, not ever desert you. We can say that because he has said it. You've, let to, you have, you've got to let go of your fears. You've got to let go of your fears. You've got to let go of trusting in yourself and what others can do for you or against you. And you must place your trust completely upon the word of God. To enter the new year without fear, my friends, you've got to let go of your fears and put your trust in man. You've got to let go of your trust in self, your trust in others, and place it squarely and only on God and his word. What has he said? He said, if you have me, you can be content. Those to whom this passage is written, Hebrews, was facing all kinds of difficulties. But God says to them, I am your helper. You can count on that. My friends, we've got to let go of our fears and place our faith in the promises of a God who cannot lie. Did you get that? We must let go of our fears and place our faith in the promises of a God who cannot lie. How many of you know who Nemo is? Everybody laugh. Nemo. You know him, right? Remember the film Finding Nemo? I watched this with my grandchildren. Boy, I had fun watching that. It's really, it's really a good one. You know the story. The setting is, is, in, is, in, is the Australian Great Barrier Reef. It's a saga, the story of a clownfish named Marlin and his search for his son. You know, prior to that time, uh, he, uh, Marlin and his family went through all kinds of difficulties. His life was filled with trouble. 
including the loss of Nemo's mother and siblings because the barracudas attacked him. Remember that? Ever since that time, Marlon lived with fear that something could happen again. So he became very overprotective of his son Nemo and he wouldn't let him out of his sight. With his, his voice fears was realized one day when Nemo was trapped by a deep-sea diver and taken to Sydney, Australia. I believe that was Lindsay Pinder when he was on vacation over there. He took him, you know the story, and the story now uh, has to do with Marlon's search for his son. Now, in his travels, Marlon meets a lonely fish named what? Dory. Remember that? She became his friend, but his fears eventually isolated him from her. He was so afraid of making a bad choice, he didn't listen to what she had to say at all. Just trust it off. He was fearful and apprehensive. Now, Dory, on the other hand, might, we might say she had faith. She used to do anything to try to get things done. But not him. He was afraid. Because he afraid that if he did something wrong, he would never see his son again. But as the story goes on, the two found themselves trapped in the belly of a great whale. You remember that? Marlon, in a frustrated fury, he is hitting against the slimy walls of the, of the belly of the whale. And then he is worn out, he is discouraged, and he is dejected, and he falls. Let's pick up the story at this point. Then I'll close with a point an illustration. A whale? A whale! Because you had to ask for help! And now we're stuck here! Wow! A whale? You know I speak whale. No! You're insane! You can't speak whale! I have to get out! I have to find my son! I have to tell him how old sea turtles are! Down, it's 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 going down. 
you sure about that? Look, already it's half empty. Hmm. I'd say it's half full. Stop that! It's half empty! Okay, that one was a little tougher. He either said we should go to the back of the throat, or he wants a root beer float. Of course he wants us to go there! That's eating us! How do I taste, Moby? Huh? Do I taste good? You tell him I'm not interested in being lunch. Okay. He... Stop talking to him. What is going on? I'll check. No, no more way. You can't speak well. Yes, I can. No, you can't. You think you can do these things, but you can't, Nemo. the point? See them hanging on? Let go? Everything's going to be all right? How do you know? I don't know. But he's taking the word of the whale. He let go, right? Trusting the word of the whale. And what happened? They're in the harbor of Sydney, and eventually they found his son Nemo. Point. You have got to let go of your fears of the new year. Trust the promise of, you don't know what's going to happen, but you know the promise of the one who said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You can take that to the bank. You can let go and enter the year 2009 without fear because God himself has said, that I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And you can say that with confidence, even though you don't know what 2009 holds for you. But you know who holds 2009. Amen? I guess that's it, eh? <laughs> Al, in the countdown? It's gone. Let's have our own countdown, Al. Five, four... Three, two, one. Happy New Year to you. The Lord bless you. All right? Let's give a hand for the Lord. Amen. Amen. Just a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. We pray that we might all leave here this evening with that assurance and confidence that we can trust your word. And you say to us that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And we therefore need not fear what man will do to us. We say that with confidence. Now, Father, bless 
the refreshments we have, the food we have uh, to follow right now, and may our fellowship together be honoring and glorifying to you. And if there's anyone in here tonight who has not yet placed faith in Jesus Christ, we pray that you might move them to do that. And we pray, our Father, that some would find new life as they enter a new year. And all of God's people said, Amen.